You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. Welcome back to We Are Ankeny podcast. If you're new to our discussions, I'm Dr. Eric Pruitt, superintendent of Ankeny Community School District and host of this broadcast. If you've ever read to a kindergarten classroom, volunteered in an elementary school fair, or been invited to speak at your student's middle school career day event, at, uh, in any of our schools here in Ankeny, then you know there's a process to being allowed access to our school buildings. Our guest today managed this process called VIPS, Volunteers in Public Schools. They are here to explain uh, the what, the why, the how, and even how often about being a volunteer in our schools and why we've changed the process from last year to this year. Let's start with Jesse Dirks. Jesse is the Chief of Legal Affairs and Strategic Initiatives for the district. She is also a native Ankeny and is a graduate of Ankeny High School. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, okay. always. Okay. Our next guest is Heidi Palkovic. Heidi is the Community Engagement Manager for the district. Her position manages the use of Ankeny school facilities by the public and for community education classes. She also works with several volunteer-based programs that are associated with the district, including Project Fresh Start. She has two children who are recent graduates of Ankeny High School, Go Hawks again, and spent a lot of time volunteering in the classroom and for various activities as a district parent. Welcome. Thank you. Our final guest is uh, Denise Miller. Denise holds down the fort at the district office. I cannot tell you how glad I am uh, that she's part of the team. If you've called the main uh, uh, district office line or stopped by the office, um, you've seen our first line of defense um, at our district office, um, and you've interacted with uh, Denise. Uh, she is very instrumental um, in, in, in having this machine work, uh, as, as we call the Ankeny Community School District, and I'm very glad that she's part of the team. Um, in, uh, she's uh, very instrumental in processing our background checks and processing volunteer applications throughout this, uh, the district. Denise also has two children in the district and is a proud Jaguar mom. Yeah. Go Jaguars. Well, thank you for having me. Those are very kind words that you said about me. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, everyone, and let's talk about what it means to volunteer in Ankeny schools. And so volunteers, uh, let's confirm for our audience that volunteers are welcome in our buildings, and we want parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, fake cousins, wh whatever the case may be, to... <laughs> be able to uh, volunteer in our school district, correct? That is absolutely correct. We couldn't do it without volunteers. Absolutely. So let's talk about safety. There's a process to being a volunteer, right? Um, you can't just show up to your child's building the day of class, uh, the day of a class party and be able to attend. So, um, Jesse, um, explain how schools um, are ensuring the safety of staff and you know our students um, on a daily basis. Absolutely. Well, we are really excited to have the opportunity to share with you, Dr. Pruitt, and with our community some of the steps that we have taken this year to really ensure that our students and our staff are, are safe um, while allowing members of our community to come in. Because as I said, we can't do it without our community. This is really um, essential to the way that we operate. So we have a centralized system this year. Um, it's called Better Impact. That's the tool that we use, but it's accessible through the district website. 
And anyone who um, works in our district who has a, vo- a need for volunteers, whether it's a class party or um, a special event or mentoring children or coming in and reading with kids, helping out in the lunchroom, those kinds of things, submits to their buildings level um, volunteer liaison, what that volunteer need is, and then that gets uploaded into this volunteer hub. What happens then is that people who are interested in filling those volunteer roles go in, they see these volunteer opportunities, and they have to complete an application on a background check uh, in order to even be eligible to sign up for one of those volunteer opportunities. Denise really manages that process and works really closely with our buildings to make sure that that is operating smoothly. Um, But it's just really essential to us that we don't have anybody signing up to volunteer who we haven't said, you know, we have checked that it's appropriate for you to be in a building and around our students Um, and that we've given you some basic information in the form of our volunteer handbook about what the expectations are for your behavior. And so you also, as a volunteer, have a positive experience when you're in our buildings. And so when you say we're we're attempting to ensure that it's appropriate that they're in the buildings, it's not that we're making the decision. What is the background check actually checking for when Mm -hmm. we conduct those? So we use sort of a a nationalized um, database that looks at a variety of things, including, and I'm going to ask Denise to jump in and make sure that I'm being accurate and honest here, Um, but we're looking at criminal history. Um, We are looking at whether or not anybody is on um, a registry, like a sex offender registry, and making sure that the folks who we approve to be eligible to sign up for volunteer opportunities um, fall within, you know, sort of an acceptable range of any kind of, um, uh, you know, incidents that might have happened in their past. We actually have, as part of our board policy, and this is published and available to the public, a matrix that we use to make decisions about if something would show up on somebody's background check, criminal history, is this the kind of thing, depending on the type of offense it might have been, how long ago it might have happened, how we would generally respond to that in terms of letting somebody um, come into our building and work closely with our, our students. Because there's obviously a whole range of things from a speeding ticket all the way up to a much more serious offense. And so, Denise, Jesse had mentioned that you managed uh, um, this process for uh, people wanting to volunteer in our schools. And so could you just briefly explain what that process looks like and what a parent or grandparent or just a community community member might experience if they make the decision that they want to volunteer in our schools? Certainly. Um, also, I have to give kudos to Christopher Kaler at the central office. He helps with the background checks, too. So it's just not me by myself. Absolutely. It's a big job. It's a team effort. It's a team effort, yes. That's right. Um, so someone can go to our website and look under the community tab, and there is a, a spot that says volunteer. And if they click on that, we've tried to very uh, precisely say these are the three steps you need to complete. Step one is the background check. Uh, if you have questions about if you have one, you can certainly just call the office, and we can let you know if it's up to date. Uh, step two is the volunteer handbook that Jesse talked about. Um, That's something that needs to be done every year. And then step three is applying for an account or um, applying to be a part of the Better Impact Program. And um, that is simply just filling in your information. All of that comes to me once you've done that. And then I go through, and with Christopher as well, 
we look at the background check and make sure that that's up to date, the volunteer handbook. And once we have that information, we can put it into better impact. And you get an email that says, hey, you're accepted. You're able to now sign up for things in the particular school that you're wanting to sign up. How does this updated process assist our schools with managing volunteers um, that, that want to c- contribute time um, in their buildings? Well, I, just speaking to um, what I know about it, I, I'm newer to the district, but um, in the past it was all done by the secretaries having to look up all of this information. And it seems to me that that was kind of a, a process and a lot of work for them to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, we're trying to kind of front load everything into better impact so that no one can sign up without those qualifications being met. And we do that all at the district level. So the list of volunteers that would show up for a school that are approved volunteers would only be people that have um, followed our process. So it's kind of um, slimming that down for them and making it so they don't have to check on everybody who wants to come in on their own at the building level. We do it all centrally at the district level now. Okay, thank you. And so one of the things that has continued to impress me about the city of Ankeny and our school district is the level of engagement from our community and um, our community wanting to get involved in our schools, wanting to use our great facilities. And so Heidi, you know, you have the the pleasure of managing uh, that process. And so one of the things that um, I continue to um, hear about um, are the number of um, com- community organizations that want to use our facilities, including the city of, of Ankeny. Mm-hmm. And so could you talk through what that process looks like and what um, our, the organizations out in our community might expect if they want to use our facilities um, here in Ankeny? Sure. Um, so the city is a little different because we have an agreement as a district with them for them to use our gyms um, in the evenings from 6 to 10 p.m. and every weekday or every weekend day, Saturday and Sunday for all day. Um, so they have an agreement that they will do um, youth sports practices. So those, those um, if you're if you have a student or um, you know, family member that's in a youth sports league, those are usually um, organized through Ankeny Parks and Rec in our facilities. Um, then we have other groups that are not through Parks and Rec, that so public groups. So it could be um, a nonprofit organization. It could be somebody that wants to just have a graduation party or a birthday party, or they want to use a lunchroom for a Boy Scout meeting. Um, there's a lot of different types of groups out there. Um, we have a um, board policy with classifications um, depending on if you're an Ankeny resident, if you're a nonprofit, if you are a private individual, if you're doing this for fundraising. It puts you in a different classification with your fee structure. Um, but all of those requests go through um, our facility scheduler, who is Trisha Hugeback. Um, there is an online form that people can go to um, under the community engagement tab on the website. They fill out a facility request, it answer a bunch of questions about the number of people and the type of entity you are, and that helps us place you in the proper classification and help you find a space that would be appropriate for your group. And so our process for acquiring facilities or renting facilities in our district has not changed. No, it has not. Um, you know, we've had the little tweaks here and there, but no, the process of renting has not changed. Um, we've The agreement with the city has gone back quite a ways. Um, it was revised last in 2016. Right. And 
for the updates to our process from this summer leading up to this year has really only been around safety. One of the things that I've heard loud and clear from our parents and from our staff is that we want to make sure that our staff and more importantly, our students are safe whenever they're in the building. And so can you talk, um, either Heidi or Jesse, talk about the updates to our safety protocols for those um, organizations that may want to use our facilities? Let me jump in with some of um, what we're doing sort of district-wide, which would be true for our internal operations as as well as those community groups. And then maybe Heidi can say a little bit about what that looks like if we're talking about renters. So uh, I think one thing that we have really focused on, um, particularly in light of some of the recent tragedies that we've seen in schools across the country, is really trying to make sure that our doors are secured both our doors to the external, like like our exterior doors, and then our internal interior doors. So making sure that, for example, doors aren't propped open. If there's a practice that's happening, even if it's a practice by one of our teams, we don't have a coach and they're propping open the door. Um, There is somebody standing at the door, you know, in the period of time when um, folks are trying to to get into the building to go to practice, letting people in and out so we have more sight on who is coming in and out of the building. Um, the same thing is true you know, during the day. Classroom doors are locked uh, to make sure that you know, somebody who might be in the building can't just walk into another classroom and be disruptive or you know, do worse than be disruptive in that moment of time. And so we've really tried to mirror those things that um, are expectations that we set for our own staff and for ourselves internally. We want to make sure that we are similarly thoughtful about the way that um, we're paying attention to security when we're talking about outside folks coming in and using our facilities. So Heidi, I don't know if you have maybe an example or two of what does it look like when a renter um, needs to get in or out of the building? Yeah, so those expectations that Jesse just described during the school day are very similar to what um, we're expecting of anyone using our facilities. So anybody from the community, As the community engagement department, we work with that renter to provide them access. Um, We don't have building supervisors that can man a door. So we ask the renter that it's it's a requirement that they have someone at their door if the door is unlocked. Um, And and honestly... And 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 it's scheduled to be unlocked um, based on certain times. Sometimes, yes. Usually... What we used to do is we would do 15 minutes before the event would start to 15 minutes after. And we have implemented now that if that door is unlocked during that time, they need to have someone at that door to direct people, you know, welcome them in and kind of make sure that they're their people and not other people coming in. Um, And then uh, we just, we are asking that of everyone that is in a, in a building, period, so an exterior door. Um, and then what else did you ask me? Oh, you answered <laughs> Sorry. You, you, you absolutely, you I absolutely. know I was going somewhere else with that, but <laughs> no, now I've, I've forgotten now. But No, you absolutely did answer. I think the, the important point is that we value safety. Yes. We can't keep our doors unlocked just due to, just due to sheer size and just the level of that activity after school mm-hmm. in all of our buildings. And so we want to uh, keep um, our buildings high quality. We want to keep the people that are using our facilities 
safe. And so all we're asking or requiring is that when the doors are unlocked, that they're monitored to ensure that people are the, the right people are coming into the building. And then when it's time to leave, that the no one else comes in during um, the exit of the building at the end of that activity. And so um, it's greatly appreciated that you know we're, we're being proactive around keeping everyone that's using our facilities very safe. And so talking about volunteerism, you know, what are the opportunities um, available in our schools for um, our community to volunteer? So what are those volunteer opportunities that exist um, across the entire district? Denise, have you seen, since you look so closely at that volunteer hub, what are some of the things that are up there right now? Well, Better Impact has a great little spot for each school. that It's almost like a little want ad. And um, some of our buildings have done a really nice job of putting up pictures and little descriptions. And so if you click on, say, um, Northview Middle School, it might say band volunteers or might be something about mock trial. Um, there are things where if you want to do something at home, you can pick up lamination in the office and take that home and cut it and then bring it back to the building. So if you don't want to do anything, you know, face-to-face -face with children, that's an option too. Um, there are class parties. There are field trips. Um, oh, gosh. And so what's great about this VIPs, volunteers in um, public schools, is that teachers, principals, administrators are able to um, put into the system specific volunteer opportunities available to our community. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a person that um, I want to go and contribute um, in, at the elementary school, I can go and look at a specific elementary school and look mm -hmm. at the type of activity that I want to volunteer for and choose the time, even choose the classroom that I want to volunteer in. Or if I'm a person that wants to contribute at the high school level mm -hmm. or middle school level, um, you know, everyone um, has their um, likes you know, or, or, or passions. And so I think that that's what's um, really good about Better Impact. And, and so, Denise, can you explain more about what, uh, better, the, what is the Better Impact program? Um, so Better Impact is a program that's been around since 2000, and they help organizations all over the world, um, schools like us, monitor and, and sign up volunteers, make sure that they have the correct qualifications, and then they safely and securely store all that data so that schools don't have to manage it themselves. Um, and it's, it's a nice way, like you said, to organize it by school, by activity, um, by time of day, by month, whatever you, whatever you want to give as a volunteer. It's, it's all uh, laid out there so people can look at it and sign up. And so, uh, Heidi, uh, one of the other, uh, um, I guess, activities that are available to our community are these community education classes. And so can you explain, you know, one, what are those, where do they come from, who's creating it, and if I'm someone that's interested in giving a class, you know, what, what do I need to do in order to make that happen this year uh, um, to, to give back to my community? Um, yeah, so we have uh, community education classes for students and adults. Um, it's kind of a model that's been around for a long time using our public schools for community use. Um, so Christopher Kaler, who also does background checks, also does community education class coordination. Um, we are always accepting ideas for uh, community education classes from anyone in the community, 
Um, you don't have to be a formal educator. You don't have to be certified at anything. Um, if you have an interest or a passion and you want to share it with the community, you can put in a proposal um, to, to us and um, we look at it, see if it'll be a good fit for us. And it, we hook you up with a space for free to teach your class. And, you know, you, you set up your fee structure of how you would like to charge for that class. Um, we have a registration system that's online that um, every class goes through. We have a catalog that gets um, sent out to schools. Um, primarily, we do a lot more with students than we do adults right now. Um, we used to do more with adults. It's hard with adults because we only have facilities available at night. Basically, we used to have a daytime facility that was used a lot by adult for adult classes. But you know, we will do adult or students. Um, and you're, you, if you have an idea and you want to submit it, we can go from there. And so is there an approval process for the content or is it that I have this class, um, I need the space? You know, what's the approval process or is there an approval process? Is it curriculum that is coming from the district or is it straight from the community um, person that's wanting to um, provide this class uh, to students or to adults? It, it, I would say for the community education model, it's a more loose. Um, it would be driven by the community member if they have a passion. I mean, we see a broad range of structures. Some are former educators, and they just have a much more formalized outline of what they want to do. We do ask for an outline um, to when they propose it um, so that we can review that and make sure it's appropriate. Um, but you know, it's it's not like there's a committee that is like reviewing it or anything like that. It's a, it's a pretty quick process. We have really two seasons of classes, um, spring, summer, and fall, winter. So the timing of the classes kind of fits into those two seasons. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Summer is a, um, a really busy time with youth sports or youth um, STEM camps and more academic-based camps that are in our schools. Those are very, very popular. Um, that would be like our prime time. And this is the new. And so, Heidi, I, I, you and I had an initial conversation when I first came into the district last year. And you know, could you explain to our audience, you know, what is our philosophy, the district's philosophy around community enga engagement? What, you know, what does that mean to you? And, and what's your vision for community engagement moving forward? Um, so community en engagement, I will tell you, stemmed from community education. So schools used to always have community education departments, um, most schools, I should say, not all. but And that was what I just explained, where it's like a community member coming in and teaching a class. Um, as we've transitioned a few years ago, we became community engagement, and our our we're kind of starting to evolve a little bit more as to what our purpose is. Um, I, that has not gone away, that community aspect of being able to teach classes. But I, I do foresee us becoming more proactive in creating classes ourselves that would be a service to our parents and families. Um, so we are engaging our parents and families in the district more so at a district level. Right. Yeah. And then there, uh, Jesse, there, there are different facets of community engagement. And so I'm going to tap into 
uh, the, the, the uh, strategic initiatives side of your work in the district. And so when you hear strategic, when you hear strategic initiatives and then also community engagement, what does that mean with regards to philanthropic engagement for the district and then our community? Right. I mean, I think it all goes back to, um, as we'd like to talk about a lot, the name of our district is the Ankeny Community School District, right? And I think that that means there are a multitude of ways that community members, whether they're parents, businesses, nonprofits, civic organizations, elected officials, um, should be, and we're working to, you know, continue to increase this um, be invited in to be true partners with the district staff in making sure all of our students have just a terrific, life-changing experience in Ankeny schools. And that looks like everything from the kinds of classes Heidi is talking about, from community members having their own ideas and coming to her department and, and sharing those to the district saying, here is something we could do to partner with the community to make sure parents have the tools that they need to support their students at home, um, to going to the business community and saying, you know, we have um, a real need to deepen our work in this particular academic area. This is something that is important to you for workforce needs or it is just a real priority of your business. Let's work together on a strategy to expand how our students um, succeed in that way. We do that a lot with a number of local businesses. We do that a lot with our friends at DMAC. Um, we partner with the city. We've heard Heidi talk about the city, but it's really about how are we all part of this ecosystem coming together to support all of our students graduating ready for what comes next. And so speaking of volunteerism, we established this goal or challenge at the beginning of the school year. Mm -hmm. And so, Jesse, can you tell us about the Million Minute Challenge? Heidi is laughing at me from across the table because I have been on this Million Minutes kick since she and I were on a, a, a community group together a while ago. So um, I'm going to try to not look at Heidi and laugh uh, at the memories. Um, really, the idea here is that we know our community is involved. We know our community is contributing just a tremendous amount of time, energy, creativity, passion to supporting our kids. But we hadn't really been tracking that in any kind of way. Um, if I know one thing about this town, it's that we like to be the best and we like to win and we like a good goal that we can crush. Mm -hmm. And so at the start of the year, we said we are going to tell this community we're going to, as a community, contribute a million minutes collectively as volunteers to serving our district and serving our students. And so what we're doing is through Better Impact and these great tools that Denise has really led our district in setting up and through some additional kind of supplemental information that we're collecting related to, for example, how students are serving the community, we are monthly doing sort of a tally of how many minutes has our community contributed to our school district in the form of volunteerism, special events, serving on committees, PTO efforts, the opportunities that are in better impact, all of those kinds of things. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think we're going to crush a million minutes by the end of the calendar year, and we're going to need to set a bigger goal next time because our community is invested in the success of our schools and doing a lot to make that happen. That's really good, uh, great to hear. And so as, as Jesse had mentioned, volunteering in our district can take on many different forms, mm -hmm. uh, either in the school, 
two really huge initiatives that we're um, we've um, gotten underway this year have been the the facilities master plan committee, where we have over I think thirty community member community members involved in that process. In addition to our innovative secondary school task force which again has over 30 people in our community involved. And so if anyone um, that's listening has questions about getting involved in our, our district, um, I, I ask that you go to our website or um, call um, a, a specific school or call Heidi or Denise to get um, information about how you might volunteer in Ankeny schools. And so what I wanna end with is a question for all three of my team members. And so I'm gonna start with you, Denise. You know, why are volunteers so important to the Ankeny Community School District? Well, as Jesse mentioned earlier, a lot of things wouldn't happen without volunteers. Um, these com you know, committees that make decisions from uh, class party to helping a teacher read with groups of students, those things don't happen if we don't have people who want to be a part of it. So. Thank you, Jesse. I agree with that. I think uh, an additional thing that we hear from our volunteers is just a variety of perspectives, right? We are trying to provide the best experience for our kids, make the best decisions possible. And the more voices that are at the table and doing those kinds of things or learning about our district, helping us learn about them, the better that we can be. Heidi. Uh, ditto on both of those things. <laughs> um, and being last is the hard one because now I have to come up with something that wasn't said. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, it, personally, I would say for me, because I, I volunteered a lot in my schools um, the, throughout the years, my kids were in school from kindergarten through 12th grade here, went through the, I, I think I volunteered in every single classroom and every single school that they were in. Um, I see the impact that volunteers can make, um, the connections that you can make with other families that you, I'm, I met some of my best friends because of my kids volunteering in schools. And I, I feel like it's a very meaningful experience. You have a, a much more connected viewpoint to the school, a little more perspective of what's going on in the school. Um, and you get to know your child's teacher if you're helping in a classroom. And if you really want to have that kind of experience where you want to know more about what's happening, I think it's a great way to get involved. And um, I encourage everyone to volunteer. Well, you knocked that answer out of the park. So you, you did a great job answering that question. That's Thank for you. last. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so on behalf of my guests, uh, Jesse Dirks, Heidi Palkovich, and Denise Miller, thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast. If you've ever wondered about volunteering in a school, now is the time to do it. Help us reach our goal of a million volunteer minutes for the 22-23 school year. You can contact a, a specific building for information or opportunities um, within our entire district. Um, you can also reach out to Heidi or Denise at 515-965-9600 or visit our website at www.ankenyschools.org. Again, that's www.ankenyschools with an S dot org. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools.